What's up, everybody? It's Trey Smith back with another episode of the College Game Time Podcast. I hope everybody had an excellent weekend and your Monday has been off to a excellent start. Uh, probably Monday afternoon by the time this hits the airwaves. Uh, thank you, as always, if you're watching on YouTube or listening on one of the streaming platforms. Uh, your support has been almost overwhelming. We've had nearly 40,000 streams in the first two weeks of this podcast. I've been saying it every episode. We're on a mission to become the number one podcast, number one show for American athletic fans um, and even fans in other conferences that want to come see what's going on. I've got some very exciting things uh, for the upcoming season that will be more centered towards the YouTube, uh, but also for the podcast as well as we're just trying to grow college game time. Uh, all together. I'll talk about that more towards the end of this show. We've got a lot to get into today. Um, but before we do, you know what to do. If you're watching on YouTube, like, subscribe, comment at the end, share it with a friend. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, whatever podcast streaming platform you use, please leave me a five-star uh, rating. Leave a five-star rating and then leave a positive review. Thank you to those of you who have left some reviews over the weekend. I think I have like seven reviews now on Apple Podcasts uh, and, and, and probably almost twice that in rating. So that is very much appreciated. Uh, I haven't checked it today, but as of uh, Sunday night, um, that was that was the case. And it just, it just helps get this up there in the algorithm and, and exposed to more people. Uh, and more American Athletic Conference fans, because believe it or not, there's still a lot that don't know we exist, and uh, uh, we're going to let them know before it's all said and done. So whether you are listening or watching, your support is very much appreciated. But without further ado, let's get into today's discussion points. Now, it wouldn't be an episode of the College Game Time Podcast unless we had some sort of realignment update. Now, the truth is there's not really a lot to update you on from Friday, um, allegedly there was going to be a vote that took place over the weekend. As far as I know, that did not happen. Um, and the, uh, what was it? The latest thing I heard, I think Ross Dellinger of sports illustrated, he was on the 365 sports radio show. Uh, same one I was on last Monday. He was on Friday and, uh, he basically said if the ACC doesn't work out, it's either rebuild the pack or Stanford goes independent and the other three join the American or the Mountain West. So based off that, it really sounds like Stanford is either, it, let me say it this way, it doesn't sound like Stanford's really interested in anything that doesn't involve a Power Five conference, period. And that they would rather go independent, which I've been saying all along, that was a very likely outcome. And I've been saying they're the ultimate domino. ACC, Big Ten Hail Mary or possibly independent unless they can hear a case to keep them from doing or, or, or a case that's more enticing to them uh, to join the Mountain West or to join the American Athletic rather than going independent. I'm telling you guys, this whole rebuilding the pack situation just seems less and less likely. Um, so I'm going to talk about uh, what my man Pat Jones reached out on Twitter. Shout out, Pat. Uh, something that he sent me over the weekend as it pertains to why I feel even stronger about this whole pack rebuild being unlikely. I've been very consistent in saying that from the jump. Is it an option? 
Absolutely. Could it still happen? Sure. Do I think so? No. And I've had the same questions pretty much for the last two weeks we've been doing this show as to why uh, I don't, I don't, I just, they're my questions as to why I uh, uh, don't think it's going to happen, but it could. Uh, But before I get into that, let me back up and talk about my Twitter poll from Friday. So thank you for those who who voted on Twitter and for those uh, on Spotify. I couldn't figure out how to get it to show up on Apple, but uh, I did see I had uh, uh, quite a few responses. Um, I think we got over 300 total votes. And it was, with the few dominoes set to possibly fall, how do you think the American Athletic fares when the dust settles? It was add two or four teams, lose one or four teams, lose one, add two, add none, lose none. And we were almost at a dead tie. On Twitter, add two or four teams got 34% of the votes. Add none, lose none got 33% of the votes. And then on Spotify, um, there was another one for add none, lose none. So I think if we combine all of the um, total votes tallied, I think we're probably sitting at about 33%, 33% for... Most of you think that the American Athletic is either going to add two or four teams or somewhere in between two, I should say two, three, or four, or you think there will be no change to the conference, add none, lose none, which I'd be okay with. And then another 20% voted to uh, losing one or four teams and then 13% lose one, add two. So That was the votes. Thank you for those of you that participated. Now let me get to this tweet I just referenced from Pat Jones. So Pat said, Trey, I have enjoyed following during this process. No one touches on the AAC's exit notification rules. And he's right. Uh, I'm not going to say that no one has, that that it's not floating around out there somewhere, but I certainly haven't. Um, And I'm going to tell you why in a second and why I also think most other people haven't as well. But he said, in essence, they can keep their teams. He said until 1127, I think it's 1125. But basically, there's a 27-month notification to leave the conference. In other words, you've got to let let the conference know 27 months in advance. And uh, Pat went on to say in his tweet, this is big-time leverage on the pack. Do you think Oresco uses it? I would! Exclamation mark. And I just sent back, thank you for your support. You're right. The natural assumption is that Oresco will handle it like UConn when they left for the Big East and Houston, Central Florida, UCF, and Cincy leaving for the Big 12, right? There's been, I think, this natural assumption amongst the talking heads in the college football community, uh, especially with realignment and especially with Mike Oresco and the AAC, that he will just handle it very similar to how he did in the past where he'll negotiate an early buyout, but this time it might be much higher, whether you're getting... Uh, to the 20, 25 million range opposed to the $17 million range, which is what he's done in the past. However, the point Pat's making is that the Big East and the Big 12 in those scenarios weren't on life support. And that's what I put in this response back. I said, I said uh, the assumption is Oresco will handle it like he did before, but those conferences, the Big East and Big 12, weren't on life support. So it made sense to negotiate an early buyout. And what I mean by that is, yeah, I mean, if you've got teams that are have invitations, they're notifying you that they're leaving, why are you going to force them to stick around for three awkward years to just because just you can, 
right? So it made sense. Okay, let's negotiate some early with UConn. And then, of course, we know with, with U of H, UCF, and Cincy, uh, I think all four of those ended up paying about $17 million, right? Whereas it's normally a $10 million exit fee with 27 months notice. And uh, I closed out this tweet by saying, with that being said, I hope Oresco stonewalls it as much as possible. And uh, that, that, you know, got into an interesting conversation on Twitter, but it is a great point. You know, Oresco, in theory, could make these teams wait the full 27 months. And could this rebuilt pack sustain that? No. Where are they going to get teams? So, as you can see, it just, it just adds another layer of support for uh, you know, how big of a job it would be for the pack to rebuild itself. Now, listen, if Stanford and Cal end up in the ACC, I think it's done. And then, the, then Oregon State and uh, Washington State are going to have to decide where they want to go. And it's going to be Mountain West or American Athletic Conference. I've given you my two cents on that already as well, so I'm not going to rehash that on this episode. But yeah, so let me know your thoughts there. Um, not a lot's changed. That's just a great point to bring up. Do you think Oresco stonewalls it if it comes to that? Like if it even comes to that? Because you also have to keep in mind these teams, man. If you're an American Athletic team, what are you jumping ship for? What do you have? What's in place? Tell me, you know, is there a media partner? What, what, like, what kind of exposure are we going to get? What kind of access? Anyway, so don't want to continue to have the same conversation over and over and over again. But of course, like I said, it wouldn't be an episode of the College Game Time Podcast if we did not touch on realignment. So let me get to my second point. My second part of the show uh, is I'm going to do a little segment called AAC Edition Coach Most Likely To. We're going to go through a series of coach most likely to questions. And uh, I'm going to tell you who my coach is for that particular coach most likely to. And uh, if you're following along and you're watching on YouTube or you're watching on or listening on Spotify, Apple, let me know what your thoughts are on this. Maybe you have a different coach in mind than what I, what I present. I'm going to make a case for each of the ones I make a, that, that I say, but I'd love to get your thoughts, especially in the comments. And remember, on YouTube, if you're watching, leave it in the comments, not the chat. I do have some live stream content coming this upcoming season, actually starting this Saturday, and that's where we can get into the chat and start interacting uh, in real time. But right now, put it in the comments and... Um, uh, uh, let me know what your thoughts are on some of these different, different topics for AAC coach most likely to. So first one, coach most likely to have the hottest seat mid season. Let me rephrase that. Let me just say it this way. Coach that has the hottest seat currently, you know who I'm going to say? I'm going to say coach Ryan Silverfield at Memphis. And here's why. Memphis has all the ingredients to win the conference this year and get that New Year's Six Bowl bid. In fact, they also, as I mentioned on Friday, have a matchup with Boise State, who really is one of the key threats to getting that New Year's Six Bowl bid. So now Memphis has an opportunity to not only go head-to-head -head with the potential New Year's Six threat, 
But also, they have the talent, they have the quarterback, they have everything they need, in my opinion, to make a run this year in the conference. And I think if Memphis wins the conference and beats Boise, they are a shoe-in for that New Year's Six Bowl bid. But I put Silverfield here because I think the, the Memphis fans, and if you're a Memphis fan watching this, let me know your thoughts on this in the comment. Like, they're ready for a big year. Okay, you had the Mike Norvell era where he had a lot of success, ended that final season before he went to Florida State where they got that bowl bid to the Cotton Bowl where they played Penn State, which I was there, by the way, um, and, and won the conference championship, all that. Had a conference championship appearance prior to that as well. And um, then Silverfield took over. And, you know, he hasn't been bad at all. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that that I, I think he's on, he has the hottest seat out of all the other coaches in the conference because he hasn't been performing well. I, I think it's because he hasn't been performing up to the expectation of what, what the fans have and really what the expectations are of the Memphis football program now, especially after Mike Norvell left. And so he had a good year there. Uh, I think it was the COVID year, but of course the COVID year was kind of wonky, had some, you know, just, just decent seasons. Not, not that over the top, we're competing, we're in the hunt for a conference championship. And um, with the exception, I think, of that COVID year, don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, we're on the other side of that. He's got his quarterback, I think, entering, what, third year as a starter. You heard Frank Bonner II was on the show a couple weeks ago talking about some of the players he had talked to and how one of them, I can't remember who it was, but said this was the best team they've ever been on like since they started playing football. I think the talent's there. I think they get the run game going this year. They very much should be in the hunt for a conference championship. And I believe if they are not, if the Memphis Tigers are not in the hunt for a conference championship this season, we could see a change. Uh, we could see a change in, 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 at the head coach position. So if you disagree with me, let me know why. Uh, or if you agree with me, you know, let me know down in the comments. So number two. Coach most likely to have a comeback season in 2023, man. I'm going with my guy Stan Drayton at Temple. I talked about Temple last week from the perspective of EJ Warner and shoring up those details. Um, something about Temple. If you look at their season in 2022, you know, they went three and nine. They didn't have a lot of success. Got their teeth kicked in early on. But really coming out of that UCF game when I think they gave up like 70 plus, you started to see some incremental improvements. Now, the defense, it was still very, very hit or miss, but you started to see them in more of those games. In fact, I want to say they three of their losses down the stretch were by one possession or less, including an overtime loss to, was it to Navy? I don't have the schedule right in front of me. But, I mean, that's three one-possession games that could have made the difference in them being bowl eligible or not. And then, of course, the last game of the season against East Carolina, E.J. Warner throws for five touchdowns, and uh, they end up losing 49-46 in an absolute shootout. So my question is, getting back to what E.J. Warner said, paying attention to details, will the defense be improved? Don't have to be a top five in the conference defense, but will they be improved? I believe the offense is going to be improved. I believe EJ Warner is going to take a major step forward in 2023. So can the defense just show a little bit of improvement, you know, and, and, and not give up these near 50 point, 70 point games? 
I think if their defense can show a little bit of improvement and we see the offense take a step forward, this is a team that's going bowling. And call me crazy, but if they beat Rutgers early on and they, they go into, I think, is it week four or week five when they're hosting Miami, if they're 3-0, and 3-1 and one or 4-0, and oh, I, think, I can't remember if it's their third or fourth game, and they beat Miami, which I believe they're going to do, I think that's a key game for them. The confidence is going to be sky high, and there's no telling how the rest of the season could play out. But I definitely see Temple winning six to eight games this year, which I think would be a huge step forward from the three and nine year, and it'd be a huge year two for Stan Drayton. And they would have EJ Warner coming back again because he's just a true sophomore. So that's who I have as my coach most likely to have a comeback season. And man, you just never know. I mean, it was tough. Uh, because I think the, the, the two teams most likely to have a comeback season this year are Temple and Tulsa. Obviously, Kevin Wilson's in his first season at Tulsa, so it wouldn't really be a comeback season for him, but it would be for their program. Uh, I just think both of their quarterbacks are very dynamic in two different ways. And, man, I, I, get, I get vibes with Temple and Tulsa kind of like Tulane a season ago. Now, am I saying they're going to have that type of turnaround? No. But think about... What was everyone saying about Tulane this time last year? Nothing. What was their expectation? Nothing. They're coming off a 2-10 season. No one's expecting them to go 12-2 and and to win the Cotton Bowl. And I just think that if there's, if there's a team that's going to have that kind of, I don't know, have that kind of turnaround or, or something close, uh, keep an eye on Temple and Tulsa for that. That's just my, my thoughts. But back to the original statement, have a comeback season. I think Stan Drayton bounces back year two. I think his team has improved. And I think they go from, they make the leap from a three and nine year to, to you know, maybe a, a, a eight and five, a seven and six, you know, and if a few things fall the right way, who knows? Maybe when it's all said and done, they're nine and four. So next one. Uh, coach most likely to win the conference as a dark horse. So I had to, I had to word that the right way. Basically, who do I think is a dark horse to win the whole conference? Uh, I'm going to go with Mike Houston in East Carolina. I know they lost a lot from last year's team, but he's entering into his, what is this? Is this Houston's fourth or fifth year? I think it's his fifth year. Uh, he's been able to build the program uh, he did lose his quarterback. Sorry, I'm looking down because I'm looking it up. I want to make sure I... One, two, three. Yeah, fifth season. Back-to-back uh, -back bowl seasons. Eight wins last year. Uh, got the big hoss, Mason Garcia, set to take over the offense. Uh, I, I kind of have a... a I kind of favor, I tend to favor big quarterbacks like that, especially that can make plays with their legs. I don't know. I just think East Carolina is a team that's kind of been knocking at the door last couple years, but haven't really been able to get over the hump. And maybe this is a year where they kind of, kind of have one of those dark horse like seasons where no one's really talking about them as a potential, um, you know, conference champion. I think all that attention's going to Tulane, SMU, Memphis, and um, um, there's another one. Oh, UTSA. Duh. Uh, I think that those four teams are getting all the attention as it pertains to potential conference champions. But I think if there's a dark horse to do it, I think it's Mike Houston's East, East Carolina ECU guys. Um, 
And if you're an ECU fan watching, let me know your thoughts. I know y'all have lost a lot of players, but uh, you got some guys in. You got some guys in through the portal. Uh, got, you know, how are y'all feeling about Mason Garcia at quarterback? I, I think that uh, uh, he's a dynamic player. He's a big-bodied guy that's going to be able to, to keep East Carolina in some games this year. Obviously, they start the season at the big house against number two-ranked Michigan. So it'll be hard to judge them based on that game. Um, but you know, what's the pass defense going to look like? You know, I know they lost their best corner to the portal, but what's their pass defense going to look like? What's their defensive unit as a whole going to look like? I think those are the two X factors, uh, uh, as it pertains to whether or not they can make a dark horse run for the conference championship in 2023. But I like Mike Houston, like what he's been doing at ECU. And let's see if, if anything, if this could be the year where he gets to that double digit mark. So maybe it's not winning the conference, but it's getting to that double digit mark and wins. So, all right, keep it moving. Coach most likely to have the best record of all the first year coaches. And when I say first year coaches, I mean, not first year head coaches ever, but first year as a head coach at their current program. So the coaches in that mix are Kevin Wilson, Brian Newberry, Alex Golish. Sorry if I said that wrong. Trent Dilfer, Biff Pogey, Eric Morris, and Tom Herman. Uh, those are the one, two, three, four, five, six. Is it seven? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, seven coaches who are in their first year uh, with their with their team this season in the AC, AAC. And the guy I'm going with is Tom Herman. Uh, I feel like the situation he's stepping into at FAU is very similar to the situation he stepped into at Houston. Uh, it didn't take him a lot of time. Year one, he, he had some fireworks at Houston. The guy is a winner. All right. He didn't get, he didn't get fired from Texas because he didn't win. He didn't, he got fired from Texas because he didn't meet the expectations that are on that program, but he is a winner. Uh, I don't see him taking a job unless he believes that the roster at least has enough talent to compete, especially in the AAC for a conference championship. Uh, I think he has that. He's got his quarterback that he has a strong history with in Casey Thompson. Um, obviously, he'll be an X factor in how he and how he plays this season and whether or not FAU is um, uh, going to be in the hunt. But I think it's enough, and it's fair to say that Tom Herman will have the best season out of all the other first-year head coaches with their respective team. I think Eric Morris at North Texas is going to be great. I think he's a great hire. I think he's a brilliant football mind. In fact, I think they got a chance to go to, to beat Cal uh, week one. But uh, I think he needs some time to let some of these new resources joining the new conference take root. Uh, obviously, Biff Pogey, he's won the offseason. He's won the media. People can't wait, self-included, to watch Charlotte play. But I think his success is going to rise and fall on his offensive and defensive coordinators. Uh, I like Trent Dilfer. Uh, I think Trent Dilfer, again, in his first year, is it fair to put the expectation on him to have this just over-the-top season year one? Uh, he's got two coordinators that have never called a game. And whereas I think his offensive coordinator, as I've gone on record saying that is one of the best kept secrets in college football, I still think they at least need a year to sort of get it figured out. Uh, Kevin Wilson, listen, he might be the guy. He might be the one. I, I told you, I told you how I feel about Tulsa earlier, just a second ago. Uh, I like Brian Newberry at Navy. In fact, I, I like Navy this weekend against Notre Dame, man. Um, but we'll see. Uh, are they able to to sustain it throughout the course of the season, especially if they're able to have 
you know, some early season fireworks with a victory over Notre Dame. And then, of course, Alex, is it Golish? Golish at uh, USF. Um, he had a lot of roster turnover. Got to give him that. Obviously had the success he had as a coordinator at Tennessee. He flipped that roster over. I love his quarterback, Gary Bohannon. Um, so so uh, is USF going to be improved? I think absolutely. I mean, they have had some down years with Jeff Scott. But is it going to be better or the best of all the new coaches? No, I don't think so. Not, not this first year. So. And then my last coach most likely to, and I'm running out of time, coach most likely to win the conference with a first-year AAC team. In other words, out of the six new incoming American Athletic Conference teams, which coach is most likely to win the conference year one? And I'm going to go with Jeff Trailer at UTSA. I think their makeup, what they're bringing back, what they have in place, what they've been doing here in recent history in the Conference USA parallels what UCF looked like coming into the American Conference back in 2013. And if you remember back then, UCF, they had Blake Bortles, uh, had some very good Conference USA seasons, came in 2013, ran the table, won the conference, beat Baylor in the Fiesta Bowl, finished 13-1. and If there's any team that has that same resemblance, um, uh, it's UTSA. I mean, Jeff Trailer's entering his fourth season. He's got, I believe, a three-year starter with Frank Harris at quarterback. I don't think he's been there, or has he been there since Trailer got there? I don't know. I'd have to look. But they just have all the ingredients in place, man. And uh, if there's a team that can – burst onto the American Athletic Conference scene the same way UCF did uh, a decade ago. It's UTSA. So y'all let me know what you think in the comments before I wrap up here. You know, the AAC edition, coach most likely to have the hottest seat, have the comeback season, coach a dark horse team to the conference championship, have the best record of all the first-year coaches, uh, and then win the conference with the first-year American Athletic team. And then finally, before I let you go, uh, week zero, it's here, baby. We got some football happening Saturday and we've got Navy Notre Dame on national TV, NBC playing in Ireland. All eyes are going to be watching. What a great opportunity for the American Athletic Conference. I will be having what I call a play by play watch party right here, live streaming on the channel. I hope to see you there. I'll talk more about what that is this week, but there's your little teaser. Hope you'll join me for that time. And uh, that's it for today, man. College game time, Trey Smith. Peace. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.